You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, we're in session three as we look at Moses and learn how to have these life management skills that we need to have. And in session three, I want to look at Moses and and how he led the people of Israel in the wilderness. And let's learn from some things that they did right and some things that they did wrong. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to read where the Apostle Paul talks about them and some things that they were doing right and wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to start with verse 1. It says, Now I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by the cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses, and all of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. See, there's that symbolism, right? So Jesus was right there with them. Yet, verse 5, yet God was not pleased with, say it with me, most of them. Now, verse 5, the Apostle Paul tells us that God was not pleased with most of them. And, And you don't want to miss that. Because if we go back, it says, all of them saw the cloud, the glory cloud. They all saw it. All of them went through the sea. They all had an opportunity to see this miraculous moment happen when the Red Sea parted and they all walked through. All of them walked through on dry ground during that Red Sea deliverance. But God was not well pleased with most of them and it says, for they were laid low in the wilderness. And then Paul warns us, now these things happened to them as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they craved. And in verse 10, he says, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. And then he wraps up his instruction by repeating that warning all over again. He says, now these things happened as, and what? An example. And they were written for our what? Our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have now come. So Paul is teaching us that not only were the Israelites making history, but they were making history for our benefit. We can look at them and we can learn from the things that they did right, and we can learn from the things, especially learn from the things that they did wrong. So they took a few tests and failed, and God recorded the scores, and now you and I uh, get an opportunity to look at the outcome of their test and learn from their test, and we'll make a, hopefully make a better grade on our test. Amen? So if you're thinking, well, Paul, you know, I feel like I've had most of those wilderness tests like they have, and, and, and now I'm kind of on the downhill slide. Well, if that's you, verse 12 is for you. Because verse 12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands be very careful lest he what? Fall. So believe it or not, you know, 
we all tend to forget the awful feeling that we had when we made that mistake. You know, I remember when I was a kid and my parents told me, you know, don't reach your hand up on the stove because that red-hot coil is as appealing. It was so appealing to my eye. But my mom told me, don't reach your hand up and touch that. It's hot. And there were two or three times that I went to do it and my mom grabbed my hand and have y'all ever done this? You know, and... But it wasn't nearly as bad as when I finally achieved my goal and I touched that sucker. Oh, man. I still remember it. I remember my mom, and I've got a picture of this. I should have got it and put it up on the screen. You, you know, you're learning through the hard knocks of life. But, you know, back in the day, and I talked about this last week, um, we didn't have microwave popcorn, which is a terrible thing but you had to cook it in the Jiffy Popper thing. And so you had to put oil in the dill and then you had to put the corn kernels in there and put the lid on it. And it's pretty fun to watch pop though, actually. And I think that's what got me. Cause I was, I was barely, I couldn't, you know, the cabinet was here and my head was about right there and the popper was there. And, and that looks, looked so appealing to me. And I reached up and I grabbed that thing and pulled it and the whole dill spilt and the oil the hot oil ran all down my hand, and it gave me second-degree burns. It was really, really, really bad, and it felt awful. And, and you know, it, as, as bad as that felt, I did not want to reach up and grab that thing anymore until I forgot about how bad it felt. And see, here's what happens. When we make missteps, when we sin, when we fail, we feel the shame. We feel the guilt. I mean, we feel it. It's just, it's the most awful feeling, the disappointment, the failure. And, and we stay away from it until that feeling goes away. Then we tend to be like the children of Israel and we don't learn from our previous lessons. See, that's human nature. I don't really like that part of my nature, but it is human nature. And that's why the Bible reminds us by using past examples of people who have gone before us so that we can look at how they lived and we can learn from the mistakes that they made. And, you know, Moses was just different. <clears throat> he was just a different kind of person than the majority, the average person that was there among the Hebrew people. He had a lot of things going for him, but I think there was really, really one thing that really set Moses apart from, from everybody else, and that one thing was Moses had teachability. He was teachable. He was somebody that, that God could give him instruction and he would listen, learn, and was able to be taught. And I, so I guess you could say Moses had teachability. And I've just learned that people's teachability is the greatest determining factor to their long-term success. And I, I want to take a few minutes to talk about teachability with you tonight. You know, it usually doesn't take a long conversation with someone to detect their level of teachability. I get around young adults, or I get around different people, and, and we begin to talk, and, 
And it doesn't really take me very long to figure out their level of teachability. Teachability matters in every area of life, from career advancement to relationships to parenting to raising children. Teachability is so important. You, you can have a lot going for you, but miss that one key element in your life. And because you don't have teachability, you can really, really miss a path of success for your life. Teachability, I, I really believe, is the, the key to everything. You know, the children of Israel, they were there in the desert, out in the wilderness, and that was really God's school of training for them. That was kind of like the drill field for the children of Israel. That's where God was trying to teach them to be teachable, you know, to be humble, to be able to grow. And, and you know, as, as I look at that and I see them out there, it, it, it really reminded me of a lot of conversations that Tim had with me in my early years of being a young adult and him training me to be a leader. And, and I remember sitting in, I mean, I can just see it clear as day. And I mean, Tim's had several offices since I've worked here in the past 30 years. And I, I can remember conversations that we've had in all three offices as Tim was just pouring out wisdom. I mean, it was just really good stuff now. I mean, it was just wisdom that he was, he was giving me. And as I think about those moments and, and how profound those moments were, no matter how profound they were and how much wisdom Tim had to offer me, I had to be teachable. See, a person can be really, really wise. They can be the best mentor in the whole world. But if we're not teachable, if we don't have teachability, then we can't move forward from that. See, teachability is such an important factor. And the good news is teachability isn't something that some people are born with and some people aren't born with. Okay? And, and I think that's important that we all understand. It's not like some have it and some don't. No, I believe teachability is a characteristic that can be learned and it's a characteristic that can be grown in your life. And one of the things that I really was determined to work on was I wanted to be a person that developed a strong ability to be teachable. And one of the you know, things that I really feel like helped me in that area was observing other people who were teachable, they had that teachability, and seeing that success in their life, and then looking at other people who didn't possess that teachability, they hadn't honed that skill, they hadn't tried to develop and grow that, and watching things not work out so well for them. So there are two things that I believed influenced God to choose Moses to fulfill his purpose, because God could have picked a lot of people, but God picked Moses. And I think there's two reasons that God picked Moses. Number one, and you can write these down for those of you that are taking notes. Number one, Moses had a desire to learn. He had a desire to learn. And number two, Moses had a willingness to change. Now, both of these are absolutely essential when it comes to teachability. You have to have a desire to learn, and you have to have a willingness to to change. See, he wanted to learn the Lord's ways. He wanted to learn the Lord's will. 
And so God was able to use him. So I just want to take a look at desire. I want to take a look at willingness. I want to break both of these down just a little bit and, and make them applicable in this lesson for us as we're living everyday life. So let's talk about the three desires of teachability. The three desires of teachability. Desire number one, the first desire is a desire to become better. See, for you to be teachable, for you to grow, for you to move forward, you have to have a desire to become better. See, some people don't believe they deserve better. Some people just don't see how life could be different for them. The children of Israel, for example, they were slaves under Pharaoh for 400 years. Now, they knew the promise. They knew the promise of this land to their forefathers. They knew all about it. They had heard the stories. Yet, they just were unable to see a better life. Moses, however, he saw the dilemma that God's people were in. He saw the life that they were living. And, and seeing that, he believed that God's kids deserved better. They deserved better than being slaves. They deserved better than being the tail and not the head, below, beneath, and not above, see? They, they, they just, he believed that they deserved better. And, and why did Moses believe that? Well, because he was teachable. You know, I've seen people who are sharp. I mean, I've even met people who have earned college degrees. They've gone to college and got, and, and got degrees. They're talented people. I mean, they could literally do whatever they want to do. And, 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 I, and I've watched people like this work entry-level jobs that aren't going anywhere, and, they, and if you ask them if they like their job, they can't stand their job. They don't like their job. They wish they didn't have that job. As a matter of fact, several that I've talked to, they hate their job. Most don't, you know, they, 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 they feel stuck. I, I remember not too long ago, I was talking to someone who was in a similar situation. And, and you know, me being a pastor and kind of a mentor in their life, I want to encourage them and I want to help them progress and move forward. And so I asked this person, I said, if you could do anything with your life, what would you do? If you could do anything that you wanted to do with your life, what would you do? And they sat there with a blank stare on their face for about a minute. And I didn't say a word. I just sat there. And it was awkward silence. And then finally they said to me, Paul, I don't have any idea. And in that moment, I felt so bad for them. I mean, I really, really felt bad for them because the issue wasn't necessarily that they didn't have vision because they were unhappy with where they were and they were frustrated with where they were. But the, the real problem was they, they didn't desire something better. They didn't want something better. Somewhere along the way, they lost the desire to become better to do more, to go further. See, Moses had a desire for his people to become more, and that, that drove him to action. It moved him into doing something different. The second desire of teachability is a desire to change. A desire to change. 
You know, some people are, are just stuck in their ways, and no matter how much you try to convince them, they're, they're not, they're not going to change. They say they want a different life, but they're just unwilling to change. Moses was constantly dealing with the murmuring and the complaining of people who always talked about going back. Never talking about going forward. They always talked about the good old days, right? The good old days. You know, when we had, at least we had food to eat and places to live, you know. At least we had the welfare stamps and the HUD housing. The good old days. They kept looking back instead of looking forward to the new life that God wanted to give them to possess the land that God had promised them. They got comfortable and familiar. But here's the problem. Comfortable and familiar won't take you into your dream. Comfortable and familiar will just keep you stuck. See, Moses could have easily have stayed in the status quo. He had the comfort. He had the familiarity. He could have stayed exactly where he was. He had it made in the palace, but Moses wanted a different life for himself and for his people. And because of that, Moses was willing to go through the difficulty of change. Man, I'm right in the middle of it right now. I mean, I'm building a house, and let me tell you, you talk about uncomfortable. There's nothing familiar. You know, it's just, it's not easy. But I won't change. And change isn't change until you help me change. You just have to change to get change. The third desire is a desire to learn. You know, some people just seem naturally in, endowed with a hunger for knowledge. You know, my son... Cole, he's 24, he goes to the University of Arkansas, and he's just always been this way ever since he was really, really little. You know, he, he, other, some other young people be playing video games, and, and, and Cole would be like on Wikipedia reading and learning about stuff. And he would, he would say, Dad, let me tell you about the quantum physics of a quasar. And I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Dad, did you know that the earth travels and blah, you know, always talking about the stars and all this stuff, and it was just so far beyond me. But that, he just had such a natural desire for knowledge, just eat it up, just as, as much as he could get. While others don't necessarily come by that desire as easily, it's not as natural to them. But even if the desire doesn't come naturally, that doesn't mean that someone can't develop it. It doesn't mean that you can't develop it in your own life. You know, over the years, there have been many things in my leadership journey that haven't come naturally to me. You know, when Tim started putting me up front in front of large crowds of people, well, I didn't grow up speaking. I, you know, I didn't grow up in a home with parents that were in the ministry, and they had me in front of people from the time I was real little. I wasn't in front of anybody. I mean, I think I remember being in second grade, being in a play, and I was a candy man, but that's about the only thing I ever remember, and I don't think I had a line. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that was very uncomfortable for me. That wasn't natural to me. Learning real estate, becoming a landlord, those things were not natural to me. They were very uncomfortable for me. But, but looking back, I can see learning those things, though undesirable to me at first, eventually became very fulfilling. And so I want to encourage you, you know, be willing, be willing to learn. 
See, Moses had a desire to learn. He wanted to learn about God. He wanted to learn about God's plan. He wanted to learn about what God had in store for all of his people. And because Moses had a desire to learn, he was willing to climb the mountain of God when other people weren't. As a matter of fact, often people think that Moses climbed that mountain one time to get the Ten Commandments. But I don't know if you know this or not, but if you'll read Exodus, Moses went up and down that sucker seven times. Back and forth, seven different times. And I mean, that's a big deal. Not once, not twice, but seven times. Now, now see how, as we talk about these three desires, see how they all work together to move you into more. See, when I had a desire to be better at the age of 23, when, when my desire to change and my desire to learn merged, then I became a different person. Then my life took a different course. Then my future changed. The future for my kids changed. Everything about my life changed. See, desire is paramount in defining teachability. You have to have desire if you're going to be teachable. And Moses just was so good at being teachable and having this desire, he just managed that really, really well. The second thing that I said you have to have is a willingness to change. Willingness. Willingness. You can desire something all day long, but unless you have a willingness to do something about it, <laughs> you know, you'll never change for the better. I know a lot of people have a desire. They talk about it. I wish, I wish, I wish. I desire, I desire, I desire. But you've got to have a willingness to do something about it. You know, I think about the children of, of Israel. They had a desire to be free. I mean, I'm sure as they were, you know, in those brick pits and they were throwing that straw in and, man, they were smashing that stuff down and making those bricks. I'm sure when they were sitting around the, the campfire in their little home, in the little hole in the wall that they had, I'm sure they talked about this often about dreams and visions and the promised land and the Messiah and all of these things. See, they had a desire for a better life, but they lacked the willingness to obtain it. You know how many Hebrew people there were? They outnumbered the Egyptians. All they had to do was have a willingness to all come together and overthrow them. See, they had the desire to be free. They just didn't have the willingness to change. You may have the desire to be in better shape. You, I mean, you may. But if you're not willing to get out of bed every morning, hire a trainer, and put in long hours at the gym for several months, you're not going to get in shape. That's just the bottom line. There's no way around it. There's no way around doing it any other way. See, and Desire alone won't take you to where you want to go. You've got to have a willingness to change. You've got to have a willingness to do what is necessary to make your desired reality happen. You know, Tim wanted to have a better place for us to worship than meeting over there in that gym. He had a desire. He had a vision for a building. He had a desire for a building. But all of that desire and all of that vision won't translate into a building unless you have a willingness to put all of that into action. 
and began to make it happen. And aren't you glad that he did? Because look at what we are able to enjoy now. And, and those of you that, yeah, absolutely, give God a hand clap. Because those of you that, that, you know, were there with us when we were in the gym setting up and breaking down every Sunday, it was back-breaking work. I still go see a chiropractor for that to this day, actually. <clears throat> so the first thing that you have to have when it comes to a willingness is, is you have to have a willingness to learn something new. A willingness to learn something new. And this is essential if you're going to manage the blessed life that God wants you to have. Now, and, and I'm going to use Tim as an example here, and it's kind of funny, but it's true. So um, years ago, email kind of started becoming the way of communication. You know, you know, writing letters and putting a stamp on them and licking the envelope and mailing it kind of started getting outdated. Well, Tim began to watch this happening. You know, saw some of his pastor friends and other friends starting to email. I mean, he didn't own, even own a computer. He, ne he, never, he didn't grow up with a computer, never used a computer. That wasn't his thing. And I remember him calling me into his office one day, and he said, man, you're going to have to get me a computer and teach me how to do this email thing. And the first thing I thought in my mind was, oh, dear God. <laughs> because he had already tried to set me up with our secretary teaching her how to use a computer, and I promise you every day it was the same lesson. She would forget where the power button was. I mean, we couldn't even get past the power button. So I just thought, oh, no. So I'd already had a bad experience. But he was determined that he was going to communicate by email. See, he had a willingness to learn something new. And it would have been real easy for him. He didn't have to. He could have Sean email for him, me email for him, whatever. But no, he wanted to learn it. And let me tell you something. He learned it. Not only did he learn, he learned how to browse the internet. Then, not only did he do that, he learned how to use a smartphone and start texting years ago, which was, I mean, for me and Stephen Sexton, our youth pastor was here at the time, that was like the best thing that, and the worst thing that could ever happen because then he started texting us all the time, telling us what to do. But then I think about his mother a few months ago, I got a text from his, how old is she now? 90 plus. Mother sent me a text on her smartphone using Siri. It just blew my mind. And I know that's kind of funny, but, you know, let me just frame this a little differently. How many grandparents are missing out on opportunities of connecting with their grandkids as well as other benefits because they're unwilling to learn something new. You know, I think about the Birminghams connecting with young adults every day, all day long, over text. But you had to be willing to learn that. See, whatever phase of life you're in, don't allow insecurity, don't allow uncertainty, don't allow fear, don't allow laziness to keep you from being willing to learn something new. See, Moses was stepping out into unknown territory. He had never been there before. I mean, he, he, he could have been unwilling to do what God asked him to do. But he was willing. And that's why we're having this study. 
That's why there's so many chapters in the Bible that are devoted to him because he was a man who was willing to learn something new. The second type of willingness teachability requires, and this is an important one as you get older, a willingness to relearn what you think you already know. I'm going to say that again. You have to have a willingness to relearn what you think you already know. And the older that you get, the more difficult this concept becomes. And I'm even beginning to see it happen to me, which I thought it would never happen, but it's happening. People who have a lot of life or work experience, they bring preconceived ideas to the table. It's just part of it. And this can be a positive and this can be a negative, okay? So let me talk about both of them. It's positive because their experiences that they bring to the table can help you avoid a lot of trial and error because they've already been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and they can tell you that won't work, that won't work, that won't work. Tim and I have these conversations all the time. We say, we already know that won't work. We, we've seen multiple people try that multiple times over multiple different uh, times of, of, of the year. It just, that won't work, okay? A negative side of that is because that experience can also make you close your mind off to new approaches or new ways of thinking. So it can keep you stuck. And we all tend to bring preconceived ways of thinking to whatever scenarios that we find ourselves. That's just what we naturally do as humans. It's just, it just comes. But see, teachability requires us to set those things aside and be willing to relearn what we've already learned. Because there is a better way of doing the same thing now than what you used to do it as. And I'm going to give you an example. So when, when I was starting out here at the ministry, you know, the internet was being birthed and we didn't have a website presence and you know, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to do this deal. And um, at that time, really the, the software that you used was called Dreamweaver, and it was really complicated and very difficult to use. And that was something that I dove into because, you know, I wanted us to have a website for our church, and we got into that. And then, then Adobe started coming out with all these really awesome, you know, Adobe Photoshop and, um, you know, Adobe Illustrator and, then, then many, many, many years later, Adobe Lightroom, and then all of this stuff kept evolving, and now we've got all these versions. Like, for, for example, like Microsoft Word, right? You know, now we're into, we're in, I mean, Microsoft Office. We're into Microsoft Office 2019 now. That's the newest version. So there's been many, many renditions of this, okay? Now, it's, it's still, Microsoft Word's still Microsoft Word. If you looked at it, it would look familiar to you, but there's just a whole lot more bells and whistles and it can do a whole lot more stuff. And I remember working in Photoshop and working in Illustrator, and then my son started coming up and he showed an interest in that, so I got him a subscription and he began to mess with it. And he's, all, he's always been a good self-taught person. He'll get on YouTube, he'll learn stuff. Then Cole begins to teach me faster and easier ways to do the exact same thing that I was doing in half the amount of time that I was doing it in. 
I remember working with Jason Ross's wife, Cindy Ross, and Cindy got really good at doing it, and she would teach me shortcuts. And so, well, if you just hit this command, it'll do all that for you. You can do a batch. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so I started learning all of these new things. Now, I've been using computers longer than both of them. But they learned new ways of doing the same thing. And so what I had to do is I had to be willing to relearn what I had already learned. And I have to tell you, sometimes it's harder to relearn than it is just to learn the first time. Because you have to literally have to back up and go, okay, this habit pattern that I formed of doing it this way, now I've got to forget that. I've got to train myself out of that and go into this. And it's not that my way didn't work, it just their way worked better. So the key to reaching a new level of success in any area of your life has as much to do with unlearning and relearning as it has to do with just learning something new. Does that make sense? So see, a desire to learn and a willingness to change is what is necessary for you to be teachable. As a matter of fact, if you take desire to learn, whatever level that is, we'll say a scale of 1 to 10, you, your, your desire to learn has a scale of 1 to 10, and your willingness to change has a scale of 1 to 10. So your level of teachability is going to be determined by your desire to learn and your willingness to change. That will equal your level of teachability. And get this, your level of teachability will determine your level of usability. Come on, that was good. I mean, I should at least got a, oh, wow, that was good. It's true. See, because Moses had a desire to learn, Moses had a willingness to change, it made him teachable, which made him usable. The more teachable that you are, the more usable you will become. The more teachable that you are, the more effective for your generation you can be. The more teachable that you are, the more lasting impact you're going to have on a generation that God has birthed you into this world to make a difference for. And see, Moses, he had his day. He had his time. He had his hour. And, and he was in the arena. And he was living his life doing what God called him to do. But now he's passed on. And Hebrews says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It says, now let us run our race with endurance so that we can achieve the crown, the, the prize of the race. And so for us, if we're going to accomplish what it is that God has for us to accomplish, whether it be on our jobs or, or raising our families or, or leading a ministry or, a, you know, accomplishing some dream or leaving a lasting impact in people's lives, we've got to have a desire to learn. We've got to have a willingness to change. And then that will propel us into a place where God can use our lives 
to change many, many other people's lives. And listen, church, as I close, you know, I, I'm so grateful for people in my life who have had a desire to learn and a willingness to change because they were the people that God used to leave a real mark on my life. And they were the people that influenced me to leave a mark on other people's lives. And isn't that what it's all about? I mean, isn't that what life is all about? You know, you, when, when our life's all said and done, we don't get to take anything with us. We came into this world with nothing, we're going to leave with nothing. The only thing that you're going to leave with is the same thing that Moses left, legacy. 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 And to me, legacy is the greatest gift that we can leave anybody. You know, I think about all the years that Tim and I have served together, and one day, you know, that'll come to an end, and there'll be new people that will come in and take our place, and we'll pass on. But there will be a legacy. There will be a legacy that was left because I had a mentor who had a desire to learn and a willingness to change. And he still does, thank God. He still does have a, a willingness to change. He talks about, we've got to change. We've got to keep changing. I can't get stuck. I can't let our church get stuck. That's such an important thing in his mind all the time. But I think for all of us, that needs to be important. It needs to be important as we're raising our kids. It needs to be important as we're living our lives. It needs to be important in our marriages, in our friendships, in our relationships. That needs to be important to us because we are leaving a legacy. See, Moses was used by God because he was a man who had a desire and a willingness to be teachable. My question to you as I end tonight is, are you, are you teachable? Amen? Stand with me tonight. Let's give God a hand clap. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us minds that we can learn, we can grow, we can change. God, we want to be used by you to our fullest potential. God, we just pray for divine appointments. We ask that you help us, Lord, overcome all insecurities, fears, doubts, worries, and that we walk into the fullness of what you have for us in this life. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.